He had a beard. He had earrings. He had tattoos. He had a kind of an unusual haircut. He had glasses. He was the parts guy that I was trying to find parts for my motorcycle. I didn't realize because it's, you know, a shiny, new-to-me motorcycle that a 2005 would consider an old bike until you try to get parts for it, like a throttle cable. But in the probably close to an hour that we spent searching through every manual to try to find it, we stumbled across another conversation. And in this conversation we talked about, the difference in the people that he works with in the bike shop now compared to the people he worked with in the bike shop before. How the policies have changed, how the rules have changed, how even the conversation has changed. And that change is what I want to talk about today on Leading Leaders. Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast. And, you know, it's a, not an uncommon thing for me to strike up a conversation with a stranger. Not uncommon at all. In fact, it's part of what I do. But it is common and becoming more common that in that conversation, we stumble across ideas of leadership. Now, they don't always sound like leadership. They, they sound like parenting ideas. They sound like management ideas. They, they sound like hiring practices and, and principles. They, they sound like, how do I train these people that just started working here kind of questions? Or what do I do when my boss does that kind of questions? And they're common conversations. You probably have them with your friends as well. They just don't fall under the category of leadership because you don't put them there. Well, I do. Because I realized that John Maxwell was right when he said leadership is influence. Nothing more and nothing less. You don't have to have a title or a position to be a leader. You have to have the ability to have a conversation and a little bit of common sense and the willingness to share your experiences and wisdom with other people. As I have these conversations, like the one that I had yesterday, I become more and more acutely aware that we have a generational leadership gap problem that is looming on the horizon, and my view of it is that it is getting to be larger and larger every day. Now, I, I heard an interesting phrase today that I've probably never used in the same context, but it was a great analogy. A guy said, you know, when you, when you try to train a dog, and you've even seen me on this podcast talk about uh, you, how hard it is to teach an old dog new tricks. Old dogs don't do new tricks too well, but... If you get a dog that's a middle-aged dog and you try to train them to not <clears throat> do their business in the house but to take it outside, uh, the way to do that is with crate training. It's really hard to do with an older dog. But when you get a puppy, it's really easy to help that puppy to comprehend or to perceive that the crate that they sleep in is the place that they go for safety and security. It's where they can eat. It's where they can hide from things that scare them. It's where they can do all that stuff. And when they come out of there, you instantly open the door and you let them outside. And that trains them almost ritualistically into outside is where I go when I have to go potty. Outside is where I go right after I eat. Outside is where I go just before I go in the crate and right after I come out of the crate. So just like an old man might get up out of bed in the morning and go straight to the restroom, so does the dog get out of the crate and go straight outside. And so that habitual training, that conditioning 
That's how we train a dog to use the crate as a safety feature, a place to sleep, a place to eat, a place to hide, but not a place to use the bathroom. Now, if you give them diapers, then they can do that in a different place, or if you put the little pads down, but outside is probably the best to do that if you have an outside for them to go to. That kind of conditioning is what we do as leaders for new employees. It's also what we do as leaders for our children. It's conditioning. There's no denying that. But the question is, to what are we conditioning them? Are we setting them up for success in life? Are we planning them to handle their own finances, to be responsible, to realize what part of the world they're responsible for taking care of? What place in this life is yours to enjoy, to appreciate, to call your own, to take good care of, to provide for, to sustain? What space in this world is completely up to you? See, the challenge that we have is in the last generation or so, there's been a whole lot of talk about everything is everybody's, which when everything is everybody's, nobody really has a responsibility that can be identified. It's easy to say we share everything common among us, and therefore everything belongs to everybody. No one really owns anything, and therefore everybody has a common responsibility, i.e. to the earth in, in the form of ecology or, or emissions. And so the concept is that since we all have an equal share in it, then we all have an equal responsibility to take care of it. So you take care of your part. And the presumption is that I will take care of my part. But if I don't, you know, there's so many other people carrying this big, heavy load. No one will know if I, you know, one finger it or if I just let go. If I don't carry my part of the load, who's going to know? How would they know? Oh, they're going to know. See, the, the reality is when you're not carrying the load that is your level of responsibility, your realm of responsibility, nobody else does. Nobody carries that for you. If you're not earning the money to pay your bills, nobody pays your bills for you. Oh, you might get a little stimulus check from the government from time to time. You might actually get a little bonus from your boss when you, when you take the job. But that's not staying. That's temporary. You should accept it with gratitude and not entitlement and expectation. And when you begin to put those things in perspective, that leadership gap that we're talking about really comes into play. Uh, the conversation that I had with this gentleman uh, ended up at, at one point talking about the people that you're not allowed to have a conversation with at work. Uh, specifically, in his case, I said, well, you know, we're, we're trying to find this part, but is there a substitute part? Is there, is there another way of doing it that would solve the same problem? Now, that's just the way my brain works. And I have a son who works in a parts store, and that particular brand of parts store also tends to hire people who are certified mechanics so that when the customer comes in, the do-it-yourself customer, and he's asking the question, okay, well, if I replace that with this, will it still work the right way? Or if I use that instead of this, will it still do the same thing? Is it going to damage my vehicle or can I fix it that way? We'll see if the, this particular store, you're not allowed to ask that question. In fact, as a customer, unless you're paying for service, you're not even allowed to talk to the mechanic. You're only allowed to talk to the service writer who really has zero technical knowledge. What they can tell you is how much they bill by the hour to fix your vehicle. And if you're not willing to pay for them to fix your vehicle, you're not getting any inside information. 
None at all. You won't even have the conversation. They're behind three layers of glass. Think like trying to talk to the bank manager before you've even opened an account. Not going to happen. Now, is that a leadership principle? Well, to some degree it is. It's a matter of saying, we're trying to protect the investment of our business. We don't want just any Joe walking in here off the street, getting all the insights, buying a few parts, and then just scalping us on the business that would have been our service business. We're not going to get any of that money. We're not going to get any of that business. If these people know how to fix it themselves, they will, and they will come to us. Okay, there's some truth to that, but by and large, people take their vehicles to a service department when it's over their head. <clears throat> if they realize how much is not over their head that you're scalping them on the prices for, that you're charging $135 an hour to do the work they could have done in their driveway if they had that one little tool that sells for $42 or $14 or $0.49 cents if you go to the right store. Yeah, see, that that's the process. And unfortunately, just like in much of our government, just like in much of our pharmaceutical industry, just like in much of our medical industry, just like much of our banking industry, there's an erosion of trust because one generation of people believed, I can do this on my own, just give me the right insights, the right tools, the right books, the right ideas, I'll figure it out. But another generation has been groomed to believe your only safety is in that crate. Let me do this for you. Let me handle it for you. To the degree that now that they work with this gentleman I was talking to, he would say many of his employees, co-workers, would be helping a customer and then just realize I'm in over my head. I don't even know where in the book to look up the part they're describing because I don't know what it does. And so they would simply say, hey, can you help this dude? Because I don't know. And at some point, you realize they're not even competent for the job of flipping the pages in the book to look for the part. They don't know where to look for the part because they don't know what the part is or what it does. They don't know anything about what they're trying to sell or what it is they're trying to help with. But all of that's a, a microcosm of another problem, and that is that leadership gap of treating the customer with respect, of recognizing that's a human being in front of you and they have a need and well, you're being paid to help solve that need and your level of responsibility and your obligation, they kind of collide with until that customer's need is met, you have not done your job. And I don't just mean you have not done your job ideally. I mean, you haven't earned the paycheck we're giving you if you're not helping the customer to find the part they're looking for, handing it off to somebody else because you don't want to. Well, that's a problem. But see, when they say things like, <clears throat> Let me watch you do it this time and maybe I'll learn next time. Or you just do it this time and, and I'll, you can train me on it next time. No, that's what you're here for. You should be learning to do it every time so you can be better at it every time. But see, our conversation obviously wandered a little bit beyond that. We also talked about the fact that my son just got married over the weekend. And we talked about some of the observations of raising sons. This gentleman only has two daughters. And we discussed their age and I said, so... How do you plan to help her find the kind of guy that you expect to take care of her, that, that you expect to be her husband? And he said, you know, I'm, I'm really scared because the guys that come through here that work a week or two and then they're gone again, that, that, that can't do the job when they are here, that are disrespectful to customers, they disrespect their bosses, they disrespect their co-workers, they just don't care. They just have that attitude that, 
I'm doing this because my dad said I had to get a job or I'm doing this because I can't get unemployment until I at least work a few weeks. So, you know, whatever. He said, if, if that's what she has to pick from for a husband, have mercy on us all. But see, I, I really do see that that's a challenge. I see that that's a leadership challenge because crate training has failed us in a lot of aspects. We have a whole lot of people who have not trained their young men and young women, their boys and girls, their children, to be responsible individuals who take their lives into their own hands, who take their financial responsibility into their own hands, who take their work responsibility, their education responsibility, their parenting responsibilities into their own hands. No, we've trained a generation of people who kind of want to pawn that off to other people. You you do it this time, and maybe I'll watch next time. You can you can train me on it later. Is not just an attitude in that guy's work environment. It's an attitude in our school system. It's an attitude in our common society. <clears throat> and if we don't get a handle on it, if we, as the leaving generation, those who are in the next five to ten years going to be moving out of the workforce, going to be moving out of the educational system, we're going to be moving out of that realm of primary influence and handing off the baton, so to speak, to the next generation. If we don't more aggressively get busy about the business of that crate training, if you will, about saying, this is your realm of responsibility, nobody's going to do it for you, and nobody's going to do it to you. And you know what else? <clears throat> you have freedom of choice. You do not have freedom from the consequences. Every choice has a consequence. If you make good choices, those consequences are good. <laughs> if you make bad choices, those consequences are bad. But every choice that you're free to make comes with a consequence. What are you going to do with it? Those are the kinds of things that parents today should be training their kids today. But the grandparents who have left that ball on the field, who didn't pass the baton at all, who didn't hand over the keys to the shop, so to speak, in a proper way, are going to find very soon that the shop is closed and they're not waiting for the next installment of business loans. They're not waiting for the next inventory to come in to sell. They're waiting for the government to take care of it for them. And when that happens, one or two generations of that, and we will have a completely different society than we have today. It, America will look more like Venezuela in five years. It will look more like Cuba in five years. It will look more like Moscow of 1985 in five years if we don't get a handle on this. And I'm not just talking about the evolution of political environment. I'm not just talking about the societal changes that shift when politics move. All of that will impact it as well. But I'm talking about a generation of people who have not taken responsibility for themselves. They expect everybody else to take care of them. They expect people to do things for them. They don't want to do it on their own. They don't see any reason to. Right. If I make a mess in my crate, someone else will clean out my crate. It's kind of their philosophy in life, in relationships, in finances, in education, and the whole thing. And the few who do go off to college are, are getting indoctrinated within a different philosophy. Some of them are becoming true professionals in a given work field. But again, it's to get a high-paying job. It's not to be an entrepreneur, a world changer, a, a, an impactor in society. And not for another 20 to 30 years anyway, when they have a whole lot of money to be a philanthropist. In the meantime, they will just work in a given professional career field and make a little more money than everybody else. That's not what started this nation. That's not what kept this nation strong for over 200 years. 
It's the individuals who took individual responsibility, who pulled themselves up by the bootstrap, who said, this is my space, this is my territory, I will defend it, I will take care of it, I will provide for it, this is my family, this is my home, and I will do what is necessary to see to it that their lives are good. That's a leadership skill we've missed. That baton has not been passed. And if we don't get busy about it, we're going to see a whole different society before the next generation is in complete control. I challenge you as leaders today, begin asking yourself, what are some of those core values that I should be passing on to my children, that I should be instilling in the workplace, that I should be demonstrating in my own life every day? What are those things and how do I pass them on better? Because if we don't, this new horizon is going to be a whole new world, maybe not for us, but most definitely for our children and our grandchildren and the prosperity, the success and the impact that the freedom of the Americans have seen for 200 years will become a thing of the past. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast. Retzella Like It Is TV. Have a blessed day. Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom.